Well, good morning. It's good to see you. If you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2, I would appreciate that. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew rack there in front of you, and you can grab one of those and follow along. Matthew chapter 22, or chapter 2, I'm sorry. And then uh, if you don't have a Bible at all at home and you want one, that can be a gift for you to take home with you. Okay? So we're in Matthew chapter 2. We are continuing on in our Christmas series, The Songs of Christmas. And uh, I just wanted to make mention again, that song, and Matt said this, that song they just sang, we sang that last year, and actually we preached through that and went through that song as a sermon last year. So if you're really in that Christmas spirit, which I hope you are, you ought to be, right? Uh, feel free, go, go back to our website, to our Spotify, whatever our podcasts are, uh, go to last year's sermons and, and maybe re-listen to those and just kind of re-familiarize yourself with the depth and the richness of those songs. They're, uh, they're pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, I love, of course, Christmas music, and I've told you that all the time, and uh, I'm so excited for us to be going through these songs. Um, a couple of things just as we start, uh, just a reminder of, of what we're trying to, to do and accomplish as we look at the songs of Christmas. Uh, one, we want to understand the words that we're singing, right? Sometimes you sing a song, like, what does that even, what does nigh mean, right? And you want to learn those words and figure out what they mean, and uh, so we can kind of figure out the richness behind it. So we want to understand the words. We also um, are using these songs because they were written to be used in this way as a window, like you'd open a window and you'd peer in to the gospel and the redemptive narrative of the scriptures. That this is not something we just sing happenstance outside of the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. So uh, as we pick songs, those are songs that are, that are rich in the redemptive story of, of the scriptures and of God. And finally, once we have understood the words and once we have peered into the redemptive uh, story of Scripture, uh, that should help us respond, right, in, in rich, reverent worship of a living God. So it should increase our worship, and it should inc increase our faith, and it should build us up with anticipation and excitement for who He is, all right? So last, uh, last couple of weeks, we started out this, uh, this year in, in part two or year two of our series. We started with Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Last week, our song was What Child Is This?, uh, and today, we are going to be looking at the song, We Three Kings. We Three Kings. A really fun song, by the way. Uh, I'm excited. We'll sing that here in a few minutes uh, after we're done. Uh, just to, to sing that and worship Jesus throughout. If you take a look at your bulletin, uh, we've included a sermon notes page, right? And so on the front of that is room for you to take notes and to jot things down that you might stand out to you and, uh, and, and follow along. On the bottom of that have all the scripture references that I'm going to be using, so you don't have to keep up with that. They're there. You can look at them later. Uh, if you want to, you can certainly do that. I know some of you like to bookmark pages ahead of time and be ready to flip when I'm, when I'm there. They're there for you to look up later as well. On the back of that sheet, uh, during the Christmas um, series, we actually are printing the lyrics to the song. So they're going to be up here on the screen for a few minutes, or, and then they're going to be gone as we talk about them, but they're still on the back of that sermon note page, so you can take a look at them and check them out and see and follow along with uh, where we are. And, and maybe, maybe see those words, um, maybe for the first time. Uh, you know, oftentimes in hymns or in Christmas music, we tend to sing like the first verse and the last verse, right? Everyone together, we're singing verse one and verse four. Um, these, these songs that are written were meant to be sung as, as a full story. So as you look at even uh, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, the song we just sang, uh, that, that's a long, long song. And typically we don't sing a lot of those uh, or all of those verses or Noel, right? The one we sang before that. Um, we, there's a lot to those songs, um, a lot of richness there. So excited about that. Uh, we Three Kings, uh, written by John Henry Hopkins Jr. Um, he was a rector of the Episcopal Church 
um, in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania when, he, when he composed this tune. And his desire was uh, to take the story in Matthew 2 that we're going to look at and the narrative there. And, and really, his desire was dramatic. He wanted to have like a drama associated with this. So you think about a pageant, right? A, a Christmas pageant, and you'd have the characters all involved, and, and it'd be triumphant and low and sad, and then it'd be big again and build, and, and you'd have different parts for different people. Uh, we see there are five verses, five stanzas, if you look at the uh, song uh, on the back. Um, verse 1 and verse 5 were meant to be sung in the chorus together, and then he had parts for each of the like, three wise men to sing their parts in verse 2, verse 3, and verse 4. So it was meant to be dramatic and, uh, and, and something that was just full, almost accompanied with an orchestra uh, during that day. Uh, the beauty of this is the story of the Magi, and he wanted to, to really reference to why they came, and what, not only why they came, but what they brought to the Lord Jesus and what that signified. We see in, uh, verse, in the stanza 2 in a minute, we'll see it, but, but there's gold, and it was presented because Jesus was the one born King of Kings. I talked to Chase this morning, just uh, he made a reference to this. He said, you realize that uh, Jesus in the manger was actually laying in the first king-size bed. That was good. I love it. Love it. And then they brought gold, then they brought frankincense, this expensive, costly perfume and incense that was to be offered. And, and it was to be offered as, as a form of praise, lifting up and prayers lifted up to the one who was given to us as God in the flesh. And then the third one was myrrh, and myrrh was uh, an embalming fluid, uh, it was, and it was foreshadowing the bitter death that the Lord Jesus Christ, born in the first king size bed, born that day, would eventually suffer on our behalf. So all of this um, wraps up at the end with, with praise and voices lifted up uh, in hallelujah to God and uh, for who he is as a perfect light for us. So I'm excited to go through this today. Let's go ahead and pray, and we're going to read our scripture in Matthew chapter 2. Father in heaven, we are so grateful for you. God, in so many ways, you, you meet us right where we are, right where we need you, God, in the middle of our, of our victories, in the middle of our brokenness, in the middle of our defeat, God, in the middle of realizing who we are as sinful people separated from you. You meet us, you love us, you pursue us. So God, as we're here today, we acknowledge that. We ask that you would humble our hearts right now, that we would soften our hearts, that we would uh, empty ourselves of us and fill, be filled with you. We know that your spirit is here guiding and directing, and God, we ask that you would, you would convict us and teach us, challenge us and shape us, that we would know Jesus more deeply and, and look more like him to the world around us. We thank you as we look at this Christmas season, this Advent, Lord, the anticipation we have and the hope that we have in Christ should be great, and it should be always on our minds and, and, and on our lips and in our hearts. Help us to embrace you. We commit our time to you, knowing that you now can change us. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, if you follow along with me in Matthew chapter 2, we're going to read verses 1 through 12 together. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and the scribes of the people and asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least 
among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, report back to me that I too can go and worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way, and there it was, the star they had seen at its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they, when they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. And entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of God. And today as we look at this more deeply, uh, we're going to look at this song, We Three Kings, that was written um, as, a, as a song to follow this narrative. I know Mark has our slides ready, so on the screen behind me you'll see this. We're going to look at verse 1 or stanza 1 and then the chorus in point 1. Today's sermon title is God's Perfect Light. God's perfect light. And in point number one, what we're going to see is that his perfect light has been revealed. His light has been revealed. So verse one says this, we three kings of Orient are, bearing gifts we traverse so far, field and fountain, moor and mountain, following yonder star. And then to our chorus, a star of wonder, star of night, star with royal beauty bright, Westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light. So we're talking about the perfect light, right? God's perfect light, that it has been revealed. And, and you'll see again, you can look at your bulletin. It has the lyrics there as I go through this. Uh, we, we three kings of Orient are. We, we tend to Americanize this a bit and think Orient. Well, it must be from Asia, right? The Oriental. Orient actually means from the east. It's from east of where they are. And they're traveling afar. But they talk about they're following a yonder star, so we see in Matthew 2, the narrative we just read, after Jesus was born in, uh, in Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east, right? We sing we sing that. Arrived in Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews for what? We saw his star at its rising, and we have come to worship him. Interesting, huh? These, these three wise men, these three magi, and they were very likely not just kings, we three kings, they were, they were magi, they were um, magic men, they were astrologers, people that maybe didn't really fear God, but knew a lot of things, and, and they knew about signs, and, and they, they had heard this, and interesting, like, where they came from uh, was, was east, and, and, and remember, we see not only the star, they saw the star, it's rising, but when they came to Herod and reported, then what happened? He said, go to Bethlehem, and as they went, they saw again the star, and then it started moving, and it rested over the place where Jesus was. These magi were likely from Persia or maybe Arabia, maybe Syria, the Syria-Jordan area, uh, or Babylon. Some of the early church fathers, such as Clement of Alexandria, favored Persia, since it was a hotbed of um, astrology. Other fathers, such as uh, Justin, said, well, I think Arabia, and that had to do with the gifts included here, the spices. But Babylon is also a very great candidate, and, and since it's Magi, and, and the Magi would have come in contact there with Israel's scriptures during Israel's captivity. In fact, if you want to do a real deep dive study, and don't go too crazy with this, there's some really interesting studies regarding Daniel 
and his impact and influence and, and the connection of Daniel with Magi in Babylon during Israel's captivity that would have spread the knowledge of the scriptures there. Either way, these Magi from the east came in contact with the scriptures and the prophecy regarding the one to be born king. And they saw this star rise and they responded. We actually see this part of this prophecy in, in the book of Numbers. Uh, it, was, it was Balaam's oracle. And he was, he was saying this to, to Balak and saying, listen, you're going to be judged by one. And this is the one he spoke of. He said, I see him, but not now. I perceive him, but not near. So what he's saying, there's one coming and he's not here yet. But it's, he's coming. And it says, a star will come from Jacob or rise from Jacob and a scepter will arise from Israel. The, that, that verbiage, that language, was what Matthew's text picks up. They saw the star upon its what? It's rising. And you connect those things, whatever it was, the Scriptures don't specify whether this rising star was a supernova that they had seen or a comet, right? or whether it was the planetary conjunction, which is amazing to think about and talk about, or some other supernatural event, only that the star arose and it appeared. And whatever it was, it was, it was something that fulfilled to them a well-known Jewish messianic prophecy. And as the Magi observed it, they recognized that the true king of Israel had been born. He was the promised one of God, and he had entered the world, and they responded. Amazing. But what an amazing God we have. And I want you to think about this, because... If you look at where the Magi came to, they came to Jerusalem, right? They knew the one born, of, uh, born king of the Jews would be in Jerusalem, right? It had to be raised up there. So they said, that's the best place to go. Let's go to the capital. Let's go look. And so they went to Jerusalem. And, and now everyone in Jerusalem, they, they, of course, as Magi had heard the scriptures, would have thought these, these people should know even more. These people are going to be so super excited. If we've seen and we know a little bit, and we're coming, how much more would the people that, that God has revealed himself to, how much more excited might they be? And when they came, what did they find? They find Herod and the people of Jerusalem disturbed. Disturbed. Greatly troubled. Well, Herod certainly was power-hungry and didn't want some other king to, to usurp his authority and his role. So he shunned and didn't want the king. He didn't want the king to be born. Eventually, if you read on later in the text, we won't see today, but later on, he, he arranges killing of all of the kids under a certain age to try to wipe out the king that was born. And, and the, who did he call on? He called on the chief priests. He said, hey, come together. You're all religious rulers. You, you're smart people. You know the scriptures better than these magi. Where is the one to be born, king of the Jews? Where is he going to be born? Where is the Messiah, the Christ, going to be born? And what did these religious leaders say? Bethlehem, right? Go to Bethlehem. That's where he's going to be born. And then what do they do? You would have thought if they had heard that the one born king of the Jews who was to be born in Bethlehem had finally arrived, what would you have done? You would have gone to see and gone to worship. And what did they do? They'd gone back to work, into their homes. They didn't care. In fact, they were troubled at this. But the wise men... They were wise. I think that's why we call them wise men. They were wise. They knew who to worship. They went to, to, to Bethlehem. They followed. They saw that star. and that, that star now led the way right over the place where Jesus was. And they, they followed that star because it guided them to a perfect light. 
perfect light. That's our chorus we sing, right? Star of wonder, star of night, star with royal beauty, bright westward leading, still proceeding. And the prayer is, guide us to thy perfect light. Well, the perfect light has come and has been revealed. And the scriptures that all of Jerusalem, all of Israel should have been familiar with were from Isaiah. It said, and Alistair talked about this earlier, read this earlier. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. It says, you've enlarged the nation and have increased its joy. So when this light appears, their joy increases. And the people have rejoiced before you like they rejoice at harvest time. There, there is plenty, there is abundance. When, when they win a war, they, they are, there's victory there. And they said they rejoice because this one to be born, the child will be born to us, right? Has, has shattered an oppressive yoke, the burden that is on our shoulders. That's something to be rejoicing about. And we should be guided towards that perfect light. And when we hear about the perfect light, we should not, we must not resist it. We must not resist him. We must see his light as the one that shatters the yoke of sin and shame that's on our shoulders. Do you see him as that? You know, I've, I've talked about this so often, like, like Christmas music comes around, Christmas time comes around, and really the commercialism, it starts to really bum you out. and like, I don't want anything to do with this. It's too soon. But do you put your heart in a place, do you put your family's heart in a place to really think about Jesus instead? To anticipate him, to, to rejoice in him, to long after him, to let, let the music of real Christmas, what's really important, and the, and the word of God be what really impacts your heart. Because it frees us. Jesus frees us. And that yoke and that burden and that misery that comes along with the darkness in the world gets shattered by the light of Jesus Christ. John wrote in John 1, he said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's speaking about Jesus Christ. The Word, says he was, he was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. And it says, In Him was life. You want life. And that life was the light of men. And it says light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. The light of Christ cannot be overcome. But there's one way that it can be overcome. There's one way that it cannot be seen. If you and I take our hand and put it over our eyes. If we would close our eyes and walk and live in darkness. He goes on in John and Chapter 1, verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This was John the baptizer. He came as a witness. And what was he witness about? He was to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light, the true light that gives light to everyone and was coming into the world. We ought not cover our eyes. The eyes of our heart ears of our heart should be wide open the light has been revealed have you let it in or are you resisting the true light that brings life and forgiveness stop resisting don't cover your eyes yes well is, is he really that big of a deal we only celebrate him once a year well we do it on easter too but we celebrate him all year long right i mentioned every all, every year every song we sing throughout all the year is a christmas song why because it talks about Christ. Every song all year long is an Easter song because it talks about the victory that Christ had over death when he rose victoriously from the grave. And, and without Jesus, there is no power over sin. And without Jesus, there is no power over death. 
there is life in him. So is he really that big of a deal? Yes, he is that big of a deal. That leads us to number two. God's perfect light, number two, is the worthy king and the lamb that was slain. His perfect light is the worthy king and lamb that was slain. You look at your lyrics, and we'll pull them back on the screen. We'll look at verses 2, 3, and 4 together. These are the ones that were to be sang one at a time by, by a wise man, right? One of the magi. By the way, we didn't know how many magi appeared. We just figure at least three because there were three gifts, right? And it uses plural. So we don't know if there's two or 20. But they brought these three gifts. And in verse 2, it says, Born a king on Bethlehem's plain, gold I bring to crown him again. King forever, ceasing never, over us all to reign. A lot to be said about Jesus. The next wise man says this. He says, frankincense to offer have I. Incense owns a deity nigh. Prayer and praising all men raising. Worship him, God on high, or God most high. And the fourth one says, myrrh is mine. It's bitter perfume. Breathes a life of gathering gloom, sor- or sorrowing, sighing, bleeding, dying, sealed in the stone-cold tomb. This is the, the, the gifts that were brought. And we see this, and, and we, we ask, is he really worthy? Is he that really of a, a big deal? And in our text in Matthew 2, we see this, that, that they entered the house, right? The star, it proceeded over the house where Jesus was. And as they came to the house, as they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And again, this is why they're wise. They may be crazy, Gentile, heathen astrologers. But they came and they bowed a knee. God sent his son to his own. And what did it say in John? That his own did not receive him. Magi from the east came to bow down. Does they, they fell on their knees and they they worshipped him. Some people and commentators would say, well, it was, it was custom for, a, for magi to come and pay homage to a king and honor a king. It was not custom for them to bow down and worship. This is worship that is only given to God. This is worship that is only given to the Most High. They would bring their, bring their gifts. They would pay homage and pay respect. You're the king. This time they came and they they opened the door. You think about that. Who wants to come and pay homage to a king? Those who would, might get something out of the deal. This was child Jesus, right? At least under two years old at the time the Magi arrived. And, and when they come and they find two-year-old rugrat Jesus, if you were there to pay homage and get something from him, you would have been like, wrong address. I'll see you later. I'm out of here. But they knew the promised one of God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, was this child they saw when the door opened. And what did they do? They offered their gifts anyway, and they fell to their knees, and they worshiped him and gave him gold and frankincense and myrrh. Again, gold was what helped to recognize his kingship, that he is the king worthy. Frankincense was in recognition of his deity, that this was not just some human being that was king. This was God in the flesh, the one that we could offer praise and prayer to through, through our incense. They knew that. They saw that. And more than that, it was foreshadowed that he would be the one to die. So myrrh was given in recognition of the Lord's bitter and sacrificial death for us. So I asked the question, is he worthy? 
The answer is yes, he is worthy. Isaiah 53 shows us that he gave himself for us. He gave himself for you. He was pierced because of our rebellion. He was crushed because of our iniquities or our sins. The punishment for our peace was on Jesus. And we are what? We are healed by his wounds. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb, right? We, the worthy lamb that was slain, like a lamb led to the slaughter, like a sheep silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He didn't say, how dare you? How dare you take my life? How dare you come against me? You see, Jesus leaned in. He knew he wasn't dying for something he had done wrong. You know what he did wrong? He said, I'm God. They said, blasphemy, we're going to kill you. And they killed God. And then he rose from the dead because he's God. He didn't die for something he had done wrong. He died for what I had done wrong. He was pierced for my rebellion, crushed because of my iniquities. Then it says he was assigned a grave with the wicked. Again, they brought myrrh. It says that Nicodemus uh, in the story brought myrrh as one of the embalming oils after Christ had had died and was was taken to the tomb. They brought these oils in in preparation uh, for burial. And myrrh was one of those. He was assigned a grave with the wicked, but was with a rich man at his death. Because he had done no violence, he had not spoken deceitfully. Listen, the, the light, here, here's what happens. The light is revealed. The light reveals your sinfulness and your brokenness. It reveals my sinfulness and brokenness. But the Son of God takes your place and takes my place, and by his wounds we are healed. He alone is worthy. There's no one else that can take my sin. There's no one else that can die in my place, only Jesus Christ. And we see this in the book of Revelation, how worthy he is. This is, go- this is something that's going to happen one day. Revelation 5, 11 and 12, it says, Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and, and, uh, and the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels number myriads and myriads of thousands and thousands. So John's vision is, I, I, I heard this, this something coming from around the throne of God where the Son, Jesus Christ, is sitting now. And what did he hear? What did he see? What was part of that? They were saying with a loud voice, myriad, thousands and thousands, thousands who had let the light of Christ shine in their heart, who responded in faith to him and had put their hope and trust in him, who have a peace, and by his wounds they are healed. This is what they said. They said, worthy, worthy is the lamb who was slain. And he's worthy to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might, and honor, and glory, and blessing. He is worthy. When we come week after week and we sing, it's because He is worthy. And I hope you feel that in your heart. He's the only one worthy. There's no one else worthy of our song. There's no one else worthy of our praise. There's no one else worthy of the response and overflow of our heart because of what the Savior has done than the Savior Himself, the worthy Lamb who was slain. Worship him. And finally, we see God's perfect light. Number three, it brings life to those who will believe. So the charge is this. Believe and continue to believe and continue to grow and live by faith. And as you do, we will rejoice in who he is. Our our fifth stanza of the song it sums it up and it goes forward. Here's what it says on our screen. 
glorious now. Behold him, what? Arise, King and God and sacrifice. Alleluia, alleluia. Earth to heaven replies. This is the, the promise, right? He, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was assigned a, a tomb. It was cold and bitter and horrible. That's not where the song ends. That's not where the story ends. Even as I read Isaiah 53, that he was pierced for our transgressions and he was buried. And going on in that passage, in verse 11, it says this, after, after his anguish, after the Lord Jesus was crucified and buried, after this anguish, the promise is this, that he will see light and he, the Lord Jesus, will be satisfied. That God did not leave himself dead that God is not dead, that God is very much alive. He will see light and is satisfied. And by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. He will carry their iniquities. Jesus didn't, even, didn't only die for your sin. He rose to give you life through faith in him. And that he continues to carry that burden for you. We take our burden of sin and we put it on him. We, what does Jesus say? Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest because he is the living god who is gentle and lowly and can carry our sin and our burden one day one day there's a hope that he will also be our final king of kings and lord of lords he will be our final hope and it will be fully realized. Today we see kind of dimly. We, we see ahead of time. We've seen what he's done and we celebrate what he's done and we rejoice over the light that has come. But one day we will stand in that light and we will see him face to face. The last passage of scripture today is in Isaiah chapter 60. Why don't you turn there with me, your Bible. Kind of in the middle of the Bible, right? This was written as, as to Jerusalem or as to Israel or as to the people there and to the hope that would come to Israel because of who the promised one would be. And you see this, this homage that was paid long ago to the, the one born king of the Jews. And now you see this eventual, again, homage paid to the same one who will rule victoriously as king of kings and lord of lords. Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 6 says, Arise, shine, for your light, your Jerusalem, your light has come, and the glory of the Lord shines over you. For look, darkness will come and cover the earth, and total darkness the peoples, but the Lord will shine over you, and, the, and His glory will appear over you. Nations then, as He shines down, nations will come to your light, and kings to your shining brightness. Now people are responding to the king who is standing and ruling in Jerusalem. Raise your eyes and look around. They all gather to come to you. Your sons will come from far away, your daughters on the hips of nursing mothers. Then you will see and be radiant, and your heart will tremble and rejoice because the riches of the sea will become yours and the wealth of the nations will come to you, Lord. Caravans of camels will cover your land. Young camels of Midian and Ephra, uh, all of them will come from Sheba 
They will carry gold and frankincense. And this last line, they will proclaim the praises of the Lord. I, I hope and I pray that we are not too distracted, that we are not too busy to respond like that to the King. That our hearts would rejoice and our hearts would leap and our hearts would be thankful in response to what Jesus has done. And not only that, but for who Jesus is to us now and for who he will be for us in the future when we are with him face to face. God's perfect light has come. And we must see God as, as having revealed his light through Jesus Christ so we can, through faith in him, let the darkness flee. Don't resist him. Don't cover your eyes. Don't turn the Christmas music down. He came and he died for you. He is worthy of honor. He is worthy of you bowing your knee to him. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together and have prayer and continue to worship God because he is worthy. Invite our worship team to come back and let us pray together. Father in heaven, we, we adore you. And Lord, may, maybe we've, we've been distracted or whatever it's been through, uh, through busyness or commercialism or just our own circumstances of life. God, help us to take the blinders down. Take, take the, the earmuffs off. God, open the eyes of our heart to see you for the worthy one that you are. God, that you are the guiding and perfect light. And, and we ask, our pray, prayer is, God, guide us to that perfect light every moment because we need you every moment. We can't do it on our own. God, no one, no one around us can help us fully. Only you have the answer to our sin and to our rebellion and to our darkness, and it is Jesus Christ. We thank you for him. We worship him now because he is worthy. And we all pray in Christ's name, amen. amen. Let's sing together.